Okay, this morning we're going to be in the book of Jude once again, and um, we're going to look at verse 2, second verse of Jude. And I'd like to read the first couple of verses here if they go together. Uh, Jude, verse 1. It says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. And I'd, I'd like to uh, call this look this morning at verse 2. These we have. These we have. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. And this, as remember from the uh, couple of lessons already that we've had on verse 1, that this is to God's people as all of the scriptures are written. But here it's addressed to those that are sanctified by God the Father, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. And that pretty well defines and limits who it's, who it's speaking to. Um, and then verse 2 goes with that. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. I told Norm that uh, might have bitten off an awful lot for one day, but uh, we'll we'll see how far we get through these three thoughts that are here, and um, we'll take a look at a few things. And the the first thing we're going to look at here is, as it says here in verse two, we're going to look at mercy from God to His people, and uh, the what mercy is somewhat. What the scriptures have to say about it. And if you if you look at a, a definition of of mercy, like in a in a dictionary or that type of of uh, setting, mercy means that something is being withheld. There's there's a, either a punishment due, or uh, if a person has mercy on a debtor, the the debt is being relieved or 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 forgiven. Um, it's it's not getting what is deserved, and in our in our regard, as far as with God's people and God, His mercy means we're not we don't get what we deserve by nature. We get what we have gained in Christ as His people, and and uh, we're going to start in Genesis chapter two. And all the, all the way through the scriptures, these thoughts are here. Many thoughts are here of of um, of God's mercy to His people. And in chapter two of Genesis, uh, we're going to read a couple of places in chapter two and chapter three. And in chapter two, let's look at verse sixteen. And he had he had made Adam. And uh, place him in the garden to dress it and keep it, it says. It says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, verse 17, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Before that, he says, verse 16, the Lord commanded the man of every tree in the garden may eat freely. But of this tree, for in the day that thou shouldest eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And we know that they did indeed eat. Their eyes were opened. And uh, we see them hiding from, from God. And then we pick this up in, in 
chapter 3 and verse 9, verse 8 actually, it says, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The first thought here, a couple of thoughts here. God said, Thou shalt not eat of this, shalt surely die. They did eat, and their eyes were opened, it says. They they did, at that instant, died spiritually. They're, they came in to God's presence just as we do by nature. We, we knew nothing. We have no spiritual sight. They didn't just say, well, we messed up a little bit. We can, you know, everything's going to be good now. They were they were lost sinners in that in that time. They're, they're, they were spiritually dead, and and uh, uh, from that time, and here we they hid themselves because they they had a little fear now of God, and before they just walked with Him, and and they had they were they were at peace with God at that time. Now they were not anymore, and the the thought here a couple of things. First instance we have that we can say this, God showing his mercy, that he said, where art thou? That he, that he didn't just, um, at that time when they, uh, when they ate and they were spiritually died, at that moment they, they died, God's mercy that he had anything more to do with them. Uh, we know that uh, from what we've seen uh, in the first verse of Jude, that God had a people from, long before this time that he had a people that were set up, that were sanctified. God had a people sanctified or set apart in his son. So this did not catch God at a time when he said, oh no, now what do I have to do? This was, this was going to happen. This, this was going to happen in time. And, uh, but God, by God's mercy, he didn't just wrap it all up at that time. But because he had a people, that was not going to have to take place. There was his mercy was going to it was going to be shown in much more. And then in verse fifteen of chapter three, it says, "And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." Speaking to the serpent about the coming Messiah would come. This is the first where we can say this foretells the Messiah coming. And then in verse 21 of chapter 3 of Genesis, it says, And unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Another point here, third point that we're going to look at here in Genesis, that of God's mercy, that he clothed them. And this picture of that clothes them with animal skins, probably sheep skin as we would like to to uh, interpret that because of the symbolism there, but needless to say that those coats made from animals, animals had to be sacrificed to do that, to cover them. 
a picture indeed of the covering that, that God provides for his people in his son. And so this is a, the first and I guess great picture of God's mercy to to man that we have in the record is when the after the fall that like I said and like Mike had said before he didn't just turn them to cinders and, and call it a day but the Lord had a people and has a people that um, that he is about and does and will redeem and not lose any of them as we see in John in, in Exodus chapter 34, we're going to look at a, a few places, but in Exodus chapter 34, and just some, some thoughts of, that it shows us about God's mercy, and they're, they're endless just about in, the, in the, uh, the scriptures, but we're going to look at a few of them. Uh, Exodus 34 and verse... And verse uh, 7, this is uh, Moses, remember the story, went up on the mount, came back. They were partying around a golden calf and things. And the first tables of stone got broken. And so he, God called him back up again and said, make new tables as of the first. And he goes up there. And it says in verse 6, a couple of 6 and 7 says, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. But here that he is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Um, here God is, it says, gracious, gracious and merciful to thousands. And whoever and however many that are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are those thousands. And that, that he is mer uh, merciful and gracious to. Now God is merciful and gracious to the world in general that... The rain falls, the sun comes out, plants grow, uh, men are, are uh, prosper and, and, and all the things that man does in their lifetime. And there's a lot of men that are um, evil, even by our, our measurement of things uh, physically or, or not spiritually, but just as we commonly would say, that prosper, that God is merciful to and allows him to prosper in this world. And there are a lot of God's people that, that, that don't prosper in the same ways. Um, mercifulness, and as we'll see, peace and love, is not measured how man measures them, but as how God measures them, because um, they, are, they have to do with, with uh, God's people and his view and treating of God's people in the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things we have are rooted and he is these things to us. He is our mercy from God. He is our peace from God and he is our love from God. We'll see that. In, in the Psalms, just a couple of places, a lot of the Psalms speak of the mercy of God to his people. And starting in, in Psalm um, Psalm. 
85. If you go through the Psalms, there's a you could spend the, a, a day, at least one, one session together, just going through and mentioning just the times that word is mentioned in the Psalms. But many, um, uh, many places. But Psalm 80, 85, start with verse 7. It says, and up above it talks about God of our salvation. And the psalmist says, turn us, O God, turn us to thee. But verse 7, it says, Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Uh, speaking of his, his um, uh, righteousness and his salvation provided to his people. But here, uh, that... Um, Mercy and truth are met together here. This is an interesting verse. verse. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And uh, it speaks of God being just and being perfect and demanding that. And yet in his son permitting and allowing mercy on us by the one that was not given mercy. One that had to... to, uh, the sacrifice for his people that our Lord was. And then uh, verse or chapter 98, Psalm 98. Psalm 98, starting in verse 1, it said, says, Sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness he hath openly shown in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And here um, it said he hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. And he did indeed show mercy and goodness to the to the country to the nation at that time but as we see in in many places all are not Israel that are of Israel there's a nation of Israel and then there's the true church of the living God who is the true Israel that the, the nation was a picture of contained within that was some of his of his people of his church and to those he has he has made known his salvation it says his righteousness hath he openly shown in the sight of the heathen and remembered his mercy and his truth towards the house of Israel. And his, he remembered his mercy. He'll never forget that. All the attributes and things we know of God are, it, it talks about being uh, of Christ, yea and amen. All things of God are, yea and amen. Those things that he hath determined, that he has set out, that he has <laughs> appointed, None of that can change. We, we, we have a hard time 
uh, uh, operating in those thoughts and those type of things of, of things that are forever. Uh, uh, even things that buy a new, not buy a new light bulb that they last forever. I've got some of those LED lights that are really great, bright lights. I've changed some of those in far shorter time than they say on the package that they're good for. So we can't even, we, <laughs> but as God being forever, and we're going to see in, in another one of the Psalms, his mercy endureth forever. And we looked through that Psalm one time. His mercy in always endures forever as do the rest of his attributes. Uh, uh, Psalm 98. Oh, we, oh we, just met. we just read that one. Psalm 103, just over a little bit here. And these are just, these are by no means exhaust the verses in the Psalms alone, but we're going to look at a couple other places. Uh, Psalm 103, starting with verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children's. Um, the, his mercy of the Lord from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. Um, those that are, are his, his own, that he reveals that to, that he, that he puts spirit's life in the new birth as it's, call, as it's called and as it's necessary to people to know God and to see God. That it says from everlasting to everlasting upon them. He he didn't have mercy in time on his people. That mercy was from, again, it's hard to fathom that, from everlasting that this, these things are. Um, one more time in the, in, the, in the book of Psalms before we move along. Number, uh, Psalm 136. Psalm 136. There's a, there's a theme you'll see in this psalm. It says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. And on down through 26 verses, different shades and thoughts of that, but all ending, every verse ends with, His mercy endureth forever. Uh, that makes a powerful point in this psalm that those things are not from um, uh, for a, a time period or a, or a uh, a particular doing of it, but all 
all time, all mercy from God in our Lord is from the everlasting. And it's all, it's all in Him. It's in Christ. As, that, as this said, um, where is that in, the, in that call to word? Second verse, Christ be my first elect, it said. Um, uh, and then chose our souls in Christ. That um, uh, this is all uh, built upon that in in Him in Christ is that um, in Luke eighteen we're we're gonna we're gonna go by that to root to uh, Romans chapter nine but I'm stopping by in Luke eighteen on the way and it speaks of the publican and the and the Pharisee there and they're one of them. Um, uh, Thanks God for what He's like, of his, of His own doing, no doubt, of His own doing, and the and the publican says, "Be merciful to me, the sinner." And then uh, we looked at, at that and that picture of what uh, man in his own self is like, and then man when when God uh, puts a new heart in him. But turn to Romans chapter. Nine, please. Romans chapter nine. Okay, Romans chapter nine, starting with verse eleven. Now, all 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 through the book of Romans, pretty heavy teaching on who God is and who man is, and how we have standing before. God the Father in Christ. And we're going to see his love and mercy and peace that we have. Uh, 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 those things are, are covered a lot in the book of Romans. But in, in chapter 9, verse 11, to start with, <clears throat> verse 11, it says, For the children, being yet not born, neither having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works but of him that calleth it was said unto her the elder shall serve the younger as it is written Jacob have I loved but Esau have I hated what shall we say is there unrighteousness with God God uh, God forbid for he saith to Moses I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. And, uh, and this is a, a theme that, uh, is very bold through all of the scripture that that God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy and on those whom he has sanctified in the Lord those he has mercy on and has had mercy on does have mercy on and will have mercy on because of uh, because of our Lord and Savior what he has done for his people and then in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, 
it says starting for about verse 14 and reading down just a little bit, chapter 2 of Hebrews. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, speaking of our Lord, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things that behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, is able to succor them that are tempted. And up here it says, why one of the things that purposes that he took on flesh as did his brethren is that it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Um, he was, he came and he was perfect on earth, lived perfect, completely sinless regardless of what others may may think or or try to say he was the perfect son of god the perfect uh god man here on earth uh and he partook of all the things that we partake of hunger thirst it said tempted in all things as we are but without sin he was he he knew of those temptations but it wasn't to him it wasn't a, a, it wasn't tempted like he came up to a point and then decided which way he would go tempted. We come up to those things and we know which way we'll go. But he was not, he was not, uh, uh, there, it, it was not a temptation to him as, it, as to us. But he knows what those temptations were because he, he suffered or was, was subject to, to those things. But he was faithful and perfect in those things. And it said that he could be, be, might be a merciful and faithful high priest. And again, mercy uh, holds back that which by nature and by ourselves that we deserve. And then in chapter 4 of Hebrews also, um, it says in verse 16, let us therefore... Up above here, speaking uh, why we're here of those that standing and that uh, uh, we enter into rest. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And uh, that uh, here where it says that, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I think God's people are never, uh, uh, are always mindful of the, that God has been merciful to, to us at, uh, um, in, in all times and all, all areas. We need his mercy and uh, we have gotten that and we have gotten the, the um, covered by that righteousness of our Lord.
So look into those, some of those things a little more on your own. Now we're going we're gonna to change thoughts a little bit, but they're tied so closely together that um, in verse 2 in Jude, not only mercy, but that we have peace. It's peace unto you. And that peace that, that a couple of thoughts on, on that, the peace that is spoken of there, um, the peace that men speak about at this time of year, a, a lot of times in cards and everything else, they're thinking of no fighting, people are not hungry, everything's calm in the world, that kind of things. That's not the peace that it's speaking of here because we know those things are not, those are, those are that kind of peace is so in flux and changing all the time. Um, no matter how we define it or think of it, whether it's nations or families, but those things can change, that kind of peace. The peace that, it, that it's speaking of here that Jude speaks about is that peace that we have with God through the Savior, through Jesus Christ. That, in, and we're looking at a couple of places, but that this time of year, that's the peace that the Scripture's speaking of. Uh, men have a different take on that, of what they think of that peace is, and it's, a, it's, it's simply in the flesh. And we may never have peace in the flesh, as far as that goes, um, but we have peace through the Lord with God the Father. We are, we're, at a, we're at peace. We're at rest in Him. Um, and just in a few places for this, we're going to look at now Isaiah. Um, in, in Isaiah and... Much, much spoken in the book of Isaiah. And a few people worldwide call it the gospel according to Isaiah, but I think all believers call it that, that it's the gospel according to Isaiah. Much spoken of, of what our Lord does and has done and will do for his people and the, the coming of the Messiah and those, those things that are spoken of to his people. But in chapter 9, There's much also in Isaiah speaking of God's people seeking out mercy and pleading for mercy uh, with with the Lord. But in chapter 9, oops, let me get to chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 starting with verse 2. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle... Of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom 
to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Here speaking speaking again of the of, of one of the many places that we have in Old and New Testament of of the coming of the Messiah of the the one that that uh, uh, would truly bring uh, peace, true peace to his people, and not not worldly peace. And and whenever I see this about these things, it speaks about and and um, and it's and it's established forever, and there's no end to these these things. I think about the two on the road to Emmaus, and they're after the Lord was crucified, and they're they're headed home. And um, whether it was two men there or some say it was the man and his wife because they had come together, but any whatever, they're speaking and the Lord comes upon them and says, what's, what's the problem? And they say, are you a stranger? Don't know what's going on? They crucified the one that we thought this was going to take care of the problems. And they, they were looking at it as the peace and the end of the problems they had in an earthly manner only. And they saw that in that way, and that was the bubble pop. They, they didn't know what they were doing now. They might as well go home because the show's over. He, he, was, he was killed and dead and put in a tomb, not just, not just harassed a bit, but that was the end of it as far as they're concerned. And then it goes on, and we know that the Lord opened their eyes and said, and all the law and the prophets, all the scripture he opened to them concerning himself, all that's speaking of, of himself, and um, opened their eyes to that. And later on, when he's meeting with the rest of them, the Lord opens their eyes and revealed to them the truth of the scriptures of, that they had, and, and um, uh, that it wasn't as they perceived, and all was not lost. Uh, and, and indeed, uh, as he showed them and all the law and the prophets, I think they came to understand it was necessary, as he told the apostles, I have to, this is going to take place. And the apostles even said, no, that doesn't sound like a good plan to us. But if it didn't, if it didn't take place that way, if he was not the lamb slain before the foundation of the world and carried out, there would be no peace. There was no, there's not going to be any peace uh, uh, any other way, but through him um, and through that time. And uh, turn to Isaiah 26, please, while we're right here too. And uh, I realize taking, excuse me, pieces out of chapters and out of books um, is just a, a glimpse at, at a thought of, of that is there, but uh, it, it takes the reading of the whole of Scripture to, to see some of the, the, the full picture of what's being talked about but uh, and do that on your own. But uh, uh, verse chapter 26 and the first few verses, it says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah 
is everlasting strength. And up here, speaking of, of God, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he hath trusted in thee. That's not from teaching. Paul had the best teaching of his day as far as man is concerned and as far as the scriptures, the words of them were concerned. That, that teaching and that instruction fell woefully short of what it was speaking about until the Lord revealed himself to, to Paul. And he, and he says, I, I can match anybody in education, but in understanding, he, was, he had nothing until the Lord revealed itself to him. And here where it says, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And that peace is just because he, he causes that, instills that faith in his people to believe the things that, that he says are so. And that peace is peace with God the Father, not peace on earth. And where it says peace on earth this time of year a lot, that's a good I mean, everybody would like to see that, but that is not what the scriptures, the peace the scripture speaks of. Um, if he gives us peace on earth or peace with our neighbors or other countries, that's a blessing to anybody. That's a blessing to all people. And God's people appreciate that as much as anybody. But that's not the peace that is what passes all understanding as we, as we see in another place. That peace can only be given and only understood by but that which God gives. Um, turn to the book of John, please. Turn to the book of, of John. And not to pass by all the many other passages that we, that we have in our hands here on these things, but uh, for the sake of time somewhat. But chapter 14 of the book of John. And, and go down to verse 22. Verse 22. And the Lord speaking, Lord praying up above for, for the, the Father would uh, send the comforter to his people. Verse 22 of John chapter 14. It says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, uh, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth my, not, not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And up here he said, peace I, my peace I give you, not as the world giveth. Um, and the comfort, speaking of to the comfort that the world can give people in time of sorrow, whatever, that's, that, that's, that's, that's feeling sorrowful or pitying somebody or, or that type of thing. But that's not the comfort that, that God's people 
have or, or, or get from, from him. And here where it says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And, and uh, that, that peace can only be, is only granted and given to us that we can know that when we've realized that we stand under the mercy of God because of our Lord, because we stand under the righteousness and covered by that righteousness that God sees us as it sees, sees Christ. And as the one song we, we sing says, God sees my Savior, then he sees me, and he sees us in him. He doesn't see us outside of him or standing on our own, but only in him, and that's how, where that peace comes from. And um, we get to the next spot about the, the love that speaks in this, in this uh, passage, and we'll see how that ties together. And we'll do that next time, and we're going to look at just one more spot here, and then we're going to uh, continue next, next week. And then turn to the book of Ephesians for just two quick thoughts here. That I don't want to. I don't want to uh, stop without. And in uh, chapter two of Ephesians, a lot of chapter two that we uh, that we know. Uh, start with verse verse four, chapter two of Ephesians, verse four. It says, "But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead." in sins hath quickened us together in Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us uh, has raised us up to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, Jesus Christ. And then skip down to verse 14. It says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus ye who are sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for make of, to make of himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Christ is our peace. Christ is our, in him the mercy that we have. He is our peace, and we're going to see uh, next time, we're going we're to look at that third thought, the love that he's spoken of, that Jude speaks of to believers. And um, with that, we'll close for today and pick it up next week. Thank you.